Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church Podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org and don't forget to subscribe. We are in week two of our Marketplace Miracle Series. How many of you guys managed to be here last week? All right, we started talking about breaking some paradigms last week, didn't we? And tonight, and this, this today and this evening, it's only going to get better. As you know, or you may know, when we talk about Marketplace Miracles, we're saying, God, what are those things that we do day after day, week after week, month after month, that bring about transforming power and change, miracles in the world in we're living? And today, we have three very special people that are going to be sharing with us. We're going to start with uh, our brother, Lumley Boy. Uh, Lumley, you can start coming up so long. Lumley is the CEO of Centec. All right, now, you might go, of what? Have you ever heard of the SABC? Ever heard of ETV? They couldn't do what they do without Lumley's business, Centec. All right, Centec send out those signals across South Africa and Southern Africa. And he has been the CEO of that company. It's a state-owned company uh, for about four years now, Lumley? Eight years. All right. Much, much longer. He was an entrepreneur before that, but God called him to serve in the state-owned entity. And since he's been there, he has transformed it such that it has an absolute clean audit. It makes a profit, and it is really an example of how God would love all our state-owned entities to be run in this country. Amen. But like the other person that's going to be sharing in his wife, what I really want to tell you about this man is that we are in a relationship together. We're in a connect group together. We've been connecting since the beginning of lockdown. We even call it the Lockdown Connect, and we just kept that name because we still connect. And why these people are up sharing today is not just because they've been successful in business, but because it transformed and transcends every part of their lives. A husband, a father, a friend, and I just want to honor Lumley. Before I do that, then he'll be joined by Duncan and Killeen. They are the entrepreneurs that started a business called Rapid Blue, uh, a production company, uh, Strictly Come Ballroom, uh, The Weakest Link. Uh, you know, these are just some of the uh, brands that they have produced in South Africa. They've built a phenomenal business, and then they sold that business to a large international broadcasting company. But again, I've known them for, over about, for about 30 years, and I just see the way God has transformed their lives. And so I'd just like you to open up your hearts, and I'd like you to welcome our speakers today because God is going to touch our hearts through theirs. Amen. Let's give them a hand. All right. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, uh, Pastor Dorian. Uh, good morning, church. Good morning to everybody. It is indeed a privilege for me to be here and I thank the pastors and the leadership of this church who have given me the opportunity to just share. And I think also uh, I appreciate that they listen to God because God must have said to them, you've got to bring somebody who uh, manages infrastructure that carries content. And that person, you've got to team them up with someone who produces content that is carried on that infrastructure. And, and this is how it happened. We don't know how it happened, uh, Duncan and Killin, uh, but it happened because God is a God of miracles. He sees what needs to be done and said, and He does it the way He does it. Amen? When I was asked to talk about character, uh, back to basics, that's the topic of today. And talking about miracles in the, in the, in the marketplace. And also uh, talking about what would happen if you obey God in your role in the marketplace. And what are the ingredients that would help you as a professional, as a worker, as a business person, as you walk your journey in that marketplace. Uh, I descend from a village far away in the Eastern Cape. I used to herd sheep, goats, cattle, horses... And I used to tame horses so that my father can ride a horse and go to a convention in a faraway village to go and preach the word. He taught us what it means to be a man and to be a person of character. He even taught us that we should not listen to people who speak about us behind our backs. Someone would come to my father and say, you know, this is what they say about you. And his response would be, 
Guess class. They were not talking to me. So he ignores everything that was being said. So he really trained us in being these people that uh, we are today. I'm the sixth born of the, what, the last born of the six uh, siblings in my family. And uh, some people believe that last borns are spoiled, but I disagree. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I think that it is, I'm not sure if these slides are going to move. Um, see. Which one is a clicker? Which one is a... Uh, I think, can we get the tech guys to just step the slides at the back? So he really taught us what it means to um, step up and appear. How do you show up in your environment? How do you appear, whether it be in your work environment, in your school environment? He was not educated. I think he probably finished in standard or grade six, standard four. But he had this vision that he's going to take his family to the next level. Made sure that all of us, whether we liked it or not, will go to school. If you don't want to go to school, you know what happens. <laughs> a hiding comes your way, and you will not like it. So he had a purpose which he had shared with us, and that purpose has helped all of us in our family, and it has helped those whom we interact with to embrace this notion of success. Which Dexter Yeager says, success is a decision. And success is a progressive realization of a worthwhile dream. So if you have a dream and you want to succeed, you have to make a decision that this is the direction you're going to go. You will succeed because of two things. One important one is who you are, your character. As a born-again child of God, I've been so blessed by God who has given me the opportunity to interact at all levels within my field of practice. He has given me, because of the Spirit of God, a character that helps me to be able to walk according to his purpose. And he has given me a, a vision that says, you have to focus so that you are able to hit your target. This year, my word for the year, which I've shared with my company, is focus. If you don't focus, you're not going to hit the bullseye. And if you focus on what you're doing and what you want to do, you are bound to achieve your goals and objectives. John Maxwell says, successful people make their decisions early in life, I paraphrase, and they manage them for the rest of their lives. If you make a decision to be who you are, the first decision, uh, brothers and sisters, Bazalwan, is to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. As our brothers and sisters were display, showing us their decision here, being baptized. That is the first decision. You make the decision to accept the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and you manage that decision for the rest of your life. How do you manage it? You manage it by allowing God to sanctify you. You're not a perfect being. God will sanctify you and help you to walk this journey. And day by day, hour by hour, God helps you, helps me to display this character that he has um, poured into our hearts through his Holy Spirit. I'm going to base my uh, sermon today on a scripture which is found in Daniel Chapter 1 up to chapter 3, so we're going to be here for a very long time. Um, and this chapter is actually giving us an indication, an illustration of what happened during the time when Israelites were captured, captured? Um, by the Babylonians. And then the king made a decision, this is what I'm going to do. He defined, he gave them a specification of what they are going to be doing. Who they are going to bring into his kingdom. 
who's going to serve him and the type of person who's going to be in this kingdom that he's building. Very proud king who believed that he can do anything and can crush anybody. He had the power to make people live, he thought. And he had the power to kill. He had the power to throw people into the furnace, which had been made to be seven times hot. He had the power to throw people into the lion's den. Little did he know that there is a God in heaven who saves. He made this specification as he was talking to his chief of staff. He says, please, can you bring this verse 4, chapter 1, verse uh, Daniel 1, chapter, chapter 1, verse 3 to 7. Verse 4 says, this is his specification, listen to it. They had to be handsome, intelligent, well-trained, quick to learn, and free from physical defect, so that they would be able to, they would qualify to serve in the royal court. And the chief of staff went ahead to do this. And he gave them further instruction where he said that every day they were to be given the same food and wine as members of the royal court. Specification of this job. And these guys, there was four of them, it was Daniel, Hananiah, Michelle, Azariah. And their names were changed to be Belteshazzar, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they negotiated as they were called into the king's palace and brought into this environment where they are going to be fed. It felt like a feedlot if you're a farmer to be fed and fattened and made to, be look ve- to look very good. But Daniel made a decision to negotiate with this chief of staff. As they were being brought in, before they came in, God had given them the ability. He had given them the skill in many areas, including literature and philosophy. But he did something very special to Daniel. He gave him the skill to interpret visions and dreams. Because God could see what is going to happen in this Babylonian kingdom. He gave him extra abilities. If you look at this, in the environment that you are working in, you came in there, brought in your CV, and you became the best person for that job. All they were looking for was the characteristics, or rather the the script that was given to the agent to go and recruit a person with these skills. But what you don't see in any of the job spec that we have looked at is character. No one defines it. Whether it it is assumed or hope that it will be a good character that is being brought into this organization, we don't know. But God gives you the skill, the knowledge, and he gives you the ability to do even extra things than you have imagined to be able to do for that environment. But Daniel, for himself, he said, much as the king has described what we should be eating, he made a decision. And his decision was that I'm not going to let myself become ritually uh, unclean by eating the food that is being prepared for me. And then he negotiated, and he said, give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. I will not talk about different kinds of food. Dietitians will speak about that. (laughs) I will not talk about what it does to you when you are a vegetarian or a vegan. I will leave that to the, veg- to the dietitians. But he said, in 10 days' time, test us and see how we look. And at that point, you'll make up your mind whether or not you're going to feed us the food that is being fed everybody within this palace or you are going to um, allow us to continue with the food that you have given, that you have agreed that you will feed us, which is 
good vegetables, and water. So what he did, he made a decision up front. This is what is important for us as we walk our journey in the marketplace. We have to make the decision early in life and manage our decisions day by day. If you walk into an environment, competent as you are, you are a specialist in your field, you are a great businesswoman or man, you are a great technician in your environment. God has given you the skill to be so great. But what is important is that that skill is just a key for you to go and serve your nation. God has given you the talent and competencies, but talent and competence without character can be a dangerous combination. When you're given character and you're given the skill, the skill allows you to open the doors and climb the ladder. Or the skill allows you to create a ladder that you will climb or that other people will climb. So we've got different kinds of people in this audience. Some are climbing the ladder. Some are building ladders for others to climb. If you are an entrepreneur, you are a ladder builder. And you make sure that that ladder is leaning against a proper wall so that those who climb it will not fall. And as they climb the ladder, when they get to the top, you have to make sure that you skill them enough to be able to pull others as they rise and climb up that ladder. Nothing destructive as somebody who climbs the ladder, gets to the top, and kicks the ladder off. And they forget that you will need that ladder someday to climb down. So God gives you the skill and competence in the marketplace. I come from a public sector environment, at least now. I've been in private sector. Things, the way we do things are very rules-based. And what you do if you really want to be safe and effective, you make sure that there are rules created for everybody to understand. Make sure that everybody can walk by these rules. But the important thing is delegate as much as possible so that you're not the one who's forever facing the outside world like we sometimes see within our government environment where our principals are the ones who are facing the media. I don't face the media because I believe that I have to delegate that responsibility to somebody. Why? Because when they make a mistake, I need to be able to go and mop up, sort out whatever has happened. In the private sector, even in, 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 in public sector, we have to define our cultures appropriately. And one of our brothers told us the other day in the Connect that culture will eat your strategy for breakfast. And may I add supper and dinner? Yes. <laughs> I'm going to ask my brother and sister, uh, Killeen and Duncan, to share with us how have they brought their skill and competence into the work environment? And how has their characters helped their businesses of more than 25 years, maybe 30 years, to flourish, to be where it is? And what has, restored, what has caused them to be the kind of business people they are? Please welcome Duncan and Kellyn. Thanks, some lovely. Morning, everybody. Um, you know, we, I think one of the reasons we chose to be in television in production is because you're behind the camera, not in front of the camera. So <laughs> this is the least comfortable position for Kileen and I to be in. We, we prefer to be back there being very judgy about how long everybody takes and whether they're hitting their marks. And so forgive us. Um, but thank you, Lumley and Wigan. Um, we've been asked to share just a couple of, of, um, of, sort of testimonies of our time together um, in, in television and production and, and in what is quite a challenging kind of environment to try and kind of hold the line and, 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 and live 
and teach and, uh, and grow a particular culture that you would like to see in the industry and in your business. Um, do you want to kick off? No, you're kicking oh, off. Right. <laughs> For a change. <laughs> I know, I was trying. Did you notice it I'm failed miserably? I'm obviously not very good at it. Um, no, so, I mean, just uh, quickly, um, Colleen and I actually met at, at Mnet um, back in 1990, a uh, long, long time ago. Many of you weren't born then, just looking out at the audience. Um, and um, very quickly we realized that... Um, you know, just working in a, just, and this is obviously unique for us, just working in a, in a corporate, in that kind of environment, we, we just felt that this, we weren't cut out for this. So we wanted to start our own business. We, um, we then started our own business and, um, and, uh, and started to grow it quite quickly. Um, and I think what I want to share with you really is just, you know, through this kind of journey of ours, there are a couple of sort of key moments where, which were really defining for us and for our business. Um, I think one of the very early ones, and, and, and you're going to probably laugh at this because, you know, we're all being, you know, is um, just how we employed people. So what happened is we started the business, and, and, and just remember, we were like 23 and 22 at the time, so we were like kids trying to do this thing. Um, but we really, we wanted to build a, a Christian business, and so, you know, what we did is that we, we, um, we, we thought, okay, we're going to only hire Christians. Um, and so we put the word out to the church to say, this is what we're going to do. And it actually didn't work very well. <laughs> we, uh, um, and, and really, it, it, on one hand, it didn't work very well. Uh, you know, I mean, through our career, we've had some phenomenal Christians working with us that has just been a blessing and has exploded the business. Um, but in those early days, and the, really the fundamental there, and Lumley's touched on this a little bit, was that we found that some people were praying so hard for the miracle of a job and not necessarily for the miracle of an opportunity to work in an environment and make a change and be an influence and to make the ladder, build the ladder, grow the ladder, climb the ladder, pull people up behind you, that they literally stopped at the point of, I have the job, I'm here. And on one or two occasions, we actually had some people who actually felt a little self-righteous. They were a little bit like, well, we with the, we with the owners, you know, we're on the same, you know, uh, the same plane, even though we were hiring them in as like a first job, you know. Um, anyway, um, but just wanted to just put that out there to support Mlumli, but just how important it is that, you know, that, um, that getting into, a, into a, a career or into a job is to, um, is to benefit the, and, and to be an influence in that company and in that environment. Um, it wasn't all, um, it wasn't all plain sailing. Plain sailing. Or tango through the tulips, as yeah. I like to call it. <laughs> um, so I want to tell you some of the big dramas that happened as well. So, um, look, we, I mean, we, we had two key things that we wanted to achieve. The one was that we wanted to create a great corporate culture, a great culture for where people worked, um, and we wanted to be an influence in our industry and in culture at large. Um, I think that for us, we, you know, we felt that we, we, I mean, we certainly achieved that as a culture within the company, um, and I'll touch on that a little bit at the end, but um, the other one is that, and Doreen touched on some of these, you know, the beauty about um, having your own production company is that, um, you know, in the beginning, you've, got to, you've just got to do the work, you know, you've got to work, you've got to establish yourself, you've got to, you've got to peg who you are in the marketplace. And we really wanted to be, have be, be known for being integrous, hardworking, and delivering excellence. These were the three core things. So every project we looked at, every job we did, and I mean, that meant turning down some jobs. It meant sometimes, I mean, and I'll touch on one of these, that where we lost a lot of business, where we had to retrench people because of decisions that we needed to make to be able to hold that position. Um, and, um, um, and yeah, so, I mean, so, um, I mean, that flows into one of them. Though, though I think the, the biggest seismic change for us as a business is that we started the business in an area called short form. We used to make all the promos and the adverts that say, watch the movies, watch the sport, um, you know, we did all the, the designs of, you know, the Supersport S, the Mnet M, the, you know, the CakeNet couch, the, you know, all of that. We did all that sort of on-air promotion and design work. Um, but um, we, got to a, we got to a place where um, um, within, within the business, they, um, 
Um, they were launching new channels, and in one of these channels, there was quite a lot of sort of like content that we just weren't comfortable with at all. Um, but we had this contract to promote everything. So we had to make an ad to tell people to watch that stuff. And so um, initially I went in and, and, and said, look, can you give that work to somebody else and we'll continue doing this. We're very happy for you to give that away. We'll adjust our contract. We don't mind. Please take this away from us. Um, and unfortunately, at that time there was a manager and, and granted they didn't last very long in the organization, but basically just said to us, forget it. It's, you either do it or you don't do it. And if you don't want to do it, there are lots who want to do it, so we'll just give this work to somebody else. We had to go away and really, really pray about that because we tried everything. Bottom line, um, in the end, is that we, had a, we resigned that whole account. So we went to the, to the broadcast and we said, on this basis, we can't do this anymore, so we're resigning. We're, giving, we're telling you we're giving you three months' notice and then we're going to stop doing this work. Now, at the time, that was 70% of our income. So it wasn't a small amount, and we knew that this impact would be massive on the business. We knew that there were at least 12 people who were going to lose their jobs. We knew that we would be burning money because we would be losing money at that point. We would need to kind of completely change the direction of our company. Um, and, um, but we truly believed that this was what the Lord wanted for us and for our business. The beauty off the back of that decision was that within those three months' notice period, every single person who was retrenched pretty much got a job, or in some cases changed careers, I don't necessarily blame them. Um, <laughs> but everybody moved on, and in fact, many years later, I had somebody who truly moved on, became an English teacher in Korea or something like that, said to me it was the best decision for his life, because he would never have been, you know, gotten there. So that was where the Lord was really showing up, in a very scary kind of space. Um, but... Um, as that was all happening and we were in that notice period, <laughs> Did you see the so side eye, the evil eye? My turn now. It's called a throw forward. <laughs> it is called a throw forward <laughs> in TV. So, as Duncan said, we, we retrenched people, but there was so much trauma to that and anxiety about how we, you know, the, this account was bringing in about 1.2 million rand a month. It was a lot of money. And now, we, and now we had nothing. So we spent a lot of time crying, really a lot of time crying. I remember both of us sitting in the bathroom on the floor and just sobbing because our hearts were broken for the people we were retrenching. But, you know, God came through on that. And then one Thursday afternoon um, at about 4 o'clock, Duncan called me uh, to come and sit and chat to him. And he said, there's an opportunity to pitch for Weakest Link. I went, Weakest Link? Are you crazy? I've, I, I, we've never done any, I've never done anything that big. That is enormous. Um, who are we pitching against? And he said, Anand Singh. I went, what? Anand Singh? Industry giant? Duncan, have you lost your mind? And, um, you know, they say those who are silly enough to think that they can do something massive often end up doing it and, and doing it really well. So we decided... Um, what have we got to lose and, and, and we'll pitch. Now, that was Thursday afternoon. The pitch was due in 18 hours' time, uh, Friday at 12 o'clock. Um, and we hosted home group um, on a Thursday night at our house. And when my friend walked in, she said, oh, I've got a word. The Lord has been speaking to me the whole day. Um, where's Duncan? I said, well, Duncan's sitting in the kitchen. He's, we've got a pitch that we've got to submit tomorrow. So he's going to work on it, and I'll take over from him. And she said, I, I, I've, got, I've got the word for you. Um, the Lord, you've been brave, and the Lord wants you to remember who you are in Christ. And she just gave me a menu of, of scriptures about who we are in Christ. So we prayed that night and finished home group and I took over the pitch, Duncan went to bed, slept for a few hours, got up and continued and our driver skidded in and the time mark on the pitch was 11.59 into the SABC offices and uh, we delivered it. The following week we got a call to say, guys, thank you for a brilliant pitch, we could really feel your passion coming off the pages but we've decided to give it to another company. And I spoke to my home group leader and I said, I mean, look, I, I, I'm not surprised. I'm disappointed, but I'm not surprised. She said, no, God has said this is yours. Watch what he's going to do. 
So a week later, I was at the office. Duncan was on the golf course with Supersport. And, um, you know, read what, read what you will into that. <laughs> and I got a call to say, would you, would you come into the SABC and meet with us and the BBC? The weakest link is yours. Wow. <clears throat> so, um, that, that was massive, and we were now shifting into an, another sphere of television. Now, guys, you know, um, TV is a Babylon in full color HD if ever there was one. And some people were supportive, but there were people in my circle, in the church, who were a bit critical, saying, how can you do this? Um, I've got that prophet thing of self-flagellation and uh, being very hard on myself, and I said, to Hillary, I, I don't know, should, should we be taking this, you know? And she said, there's a reason. You're strong and you're bold and you're cheeky and, mm. and, and, and you can do this. So we did. And that was the start. And this, this is almost 20 years. This is exactly 20 years ago. This is oh, no. February 2003, okay? And the start of my TV journey in long form. And at that point, the psalm that or the prayer that became a regular prayer for me. Psalm 51, verse 10. Create in me a pure heart. Create in me a pure heart, Lord, and then create in me and create through me. Because only with a pure heart could I create wonderful content with Duncan and could I lead people yeah. the, the way I wanted to. Brilliant. It was also... Um, um, just uh, two quick things. It was also the beginning. That was the first program where we had an opportunity to really start influencing or just making a, a, a dent in culture, which is in Weakest Link, as a, it, it's a quiz show. But what we could do is in every episode, we could introduce a Bible question. Hmm. So we found opportunities just to let somebody sitting at a couch at home actually think about it. Think, well, here's the question. What would the answer be? And then they're going, oh, I remember in, you know, in, in Sunday school, they spoke about this. Hmm. But we just thought, let's just start planting seeds. And in every show we've ever produced, you know, we've tried to find opportunities to keep doing that. And, um, yeah, we, um, we're very proud of the business we built. We felt that our season was coming to an end. And, and as Mlumli um, and Dorian mentioned, um, we, uh, about 18 months ago, sold the business to the BBC. Um, and we're very proud of that um, because the BBC has never bought a company outside of the UK. Um, mm. and, um, and they're oh, very no. particular. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Wow. Hallelujah. Give them a round of applause. God gives you skill and competence and gives you a character to carry that forward. Uh, I didn't know that uh, we actually worked for the same company around the same time uh, until recently when we met at the Connect. But what... Uh, Killin and uh, Duncan has really shared with us. It really reminds us all that God will fulfill his promises in your life. And God is a God of miracles. Imagine a company that is founded by a couple from Johannesburg going to an every nation church, uh, wherever they went then, and that company at this time is sold to one of the biggest broadcasters in the world. God is a God of miracles. Amen. Amen. So if you look at the story of Babylon and the abilities that God gave to these four brothers, for them to be able to go and serve the king in his palace, serve his kingdom. And he gave them these abilities which enabled them to answer each and every question. And the Bible says, when the king tested these four people, uh, he found that they were ten times wiser than all the magicians in the kingdom of Babylon. And it, he saw that they had 
tremendous knowledge that he had never seen in his kingdom before. Why? Because there is a God in heaven who gives abilities, talents to those who trust in him. These four people who were chosen to go and serve the king, I believe that in their private life, they worship God. In fact, the Bible tells us that whenever they face challenges, they would go back, Daniel would go back to his upper room and face Israel and pray facing east. Pray to his God. And God will bring him the revelation. He will bring him the answer to his prayer. So we serve a God of miracles. After they had been given this opportunity to serve the king, brought into this kingdom, and then asked by the king, this big oak was so proud that he can crush anybody and everybody. Brings them into this palace, and he has a dream. Fast forward, his uh, magicians cannot answer the question about this dream. It was a very tricky question, which says, what was my dream, and what does it mean? And when they argued with the king, said, king, no one has ever been asked this question before. At least you tell them your dream, and then they can interpret the dream. You are asking us to tell you what your dream was, and after that, to tell you what the dream meant. This guy says, yeah, that's my ask. If you don't answer, I'm going to kill all of you. And because God had given him the ability, you remember that extra talent that God gave him to interpret dreams? God gave Daniel that ability. He was able to interpret the dream of this king. And this king created his marketplace where he could do whatever he likes. He created a culture of fear because he had a right to execute anybody and everybody. Pause on that point. The executives in this room should remember that the culture you create in the environment will determine the health of the environment. My message to my team is, you receive people healthy from their homes. Please deliver them back home healthy. We never create a culture of fear and a culture of oppression within our work environment, within our businesses. But performance is important. We performance manage the, the environment, but we don't persecute our people. We expect God to deliver this miracle, to help us to develop this culture. And we have, uh, in, in our environment, created uh, an acronym which we call ICARE. This acronym stems from the values of the organization. The first one is innovation, where we say, well, we want to be an innovative company. We stayed on, remember? And stayed on entities are not known to be innovative, generally, in this country. We are wanting to be known to be customer-focused. That is the C in our acronym. And thirdly, we want to be agile and be able to respond quickly. And we want to be able to take care uh, and be responsive and responsible and be accountable, the other A. The last one, which is key, remember Zondo Commission, is being ethical. That is the key. And the message we preach, I preach, or I teach, or I speak, is that everything is forgivable in this environment. You make a mistake, we'll forgive. Because it is not my business. If you steal from this business, the rules are there that will deal with that. If it was my business, I may, because I'm a Christian, I may forgive you. But in this environment, my hands and feet are tied. There's nothing I can do for you. So in our environments, we create a marketplace. We create the culture. And this is really what happened with Babylon. I'm going to skip to these four. When the king, after the dream was interpreted, 
The king then decided to say, well, this dream means I must create my own God, and he did. And his God looked something like, where is it? I think it's disappeared. Uh, excuse me. Uh, that's... So he cre- Sorry, I, I think my slides are doing something I didn't plan. So he created this statue and he said everybody must worship this statue. Remember that? And, and, and the four brothers, or the three, the three brothers refused, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to worship that statue. And they knew that they will be killed if they don't worship the statue. They knew, because the decree had been issued that if you don't bow to this statue, you will be killed. And look at what they said. They said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fairy furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hands, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. They made a decision up front that they will not serve the God of King Nebuchadnezzar. They knew that the consequences would be that they would be killed. Now, you have to make a decision up front, early. They were thrown into the fairy furnace. Look at that picture. These brothers were walking on fire praising God. And God had appeared and covered them. And the king was surprised. Did we not throw three people into that fire? Where is the fourth one coming from? And he acknowledged God that this is a God who is able to save. save. And he called them out. And he said, they are the God Their God is a God of miracles. He is a God who saves. So what you need to do then as believers is identify the fires that we're facing and remember that in that fire that we're facing, God is there walking with us in that fire. Because fires will come. Persecutions will come. But those who walk with the Lord will not be burned in that fire. Even their hair will not be touched by the fire. Because there is a God in heaven who is the God of miracles, who will save you. So in your work environment and business environment, I would like to ask you to think about the decision that you are making. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego made a decision. And their decision was, we will not serve that God. Big decisions we have to make are economic decisions. We have to be honest. You may be faced with a situation where your bond will not be paid if you don't get that business deal. Your car will be repossessed. And then somebody comes and says, you have actually won a business, but you've got a little thing that you can sort out on the side for you to get this business deal. If you had not made that decision early in your life, you will be tempted to say, God will understand that I have family. I cannot live under the bridges. God will understand. Let me do this little thing of kicking somebody's back or greasing somebody's hand to get that deal. Let us fear God and let us worship God with our craft. And if we don't do that, we risk a situation of being trapped into this whirlwind of corruption that is facing our world. And some people think that corruption is in the, prob- in the public sector only. No? Private sector is as corrupt as they come. 
It's just that it does not get reported as it does in the public sector. Because public sector is your money, it has to be reported as often as possible. And therefore, as we draw to the close, let's go back to basics. Decide on the purpose of your business. And be defined by the content of your character, not by the position that you hold. Decide to be self-controlled in every situation and in every environment that you face. Have a sense of purpose for what you're doing. When I walked into the business I'm running, I decided that I'm here as a bishop of this institution. In the morning, I'm going to pray for it. And God helped us. He wiped the tears from people who were coming into my office because I had made the decision that I will be here as a representative of God. Didn't they throw stones at me? Figuratively, of course. (laughs) Yes, they did. But because I'm holding on to what God has given me, and I'm holding on to the passion that God has given me for the season that he has called me into this environment, you have been given a competence to open doors Make sure that your character and competence go together. And as we come to God and ask God for miracles in our lives, let us think about what we're going to do tomorrow when we go to our business environment. Let us ask ourselves, what are our personal values? Are our values aligned to our business that we're running? If there is a misalignment, between your values, your personal values and character. If those are misaligned with, your, um, with the business that you, you are running, something has to change. There is a God in heaven who answers prayers. He will bring a miracle and change your environment, transform your business. But say to God that even if he does not transform the business, I will not be corrupt. I will not worship the gods of this world even if I have to suffer. Make a decision and manage it for the rest of your life. God bless you. Hallelujah. Awesome God. Thank you, Jesus. Just reflect for a moment. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. For the entrance of your word brings light and understanding. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the nuggets of truth that have been shared this morning. Thank you for your power. Thank you for the anointing. Thank you for the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And as we conclude this morning, um, I would have us conclude with the beginning. Glory to God. And with the start. When Brother Mlamuli started, he said, what makes a difference in a person's life is making decisions very early on and then managing them throughout the course of their lifetime. And I just want to submit before us this morning before we conclude that when Jesus is brought into any environment, there is illumination. It says that Japan and other nations in the Far East did not have any inventions or innovations until missionaries went in there and brought in the light of the gospel. And Brother Mlamli said, Daniel purposed in his heart not to defile himself by eating of the king's portion. And he managed that decision for the rest of his life. This morning you may be sitting here and you're saying, I do not know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And Gillian said, 
she got that word while her husband was working in the kitchen and the word was remember who you are in Christ glory to God and you might be sitting here thinking I do not have an, an, an identity relationship with Jesus Christ and this morning before we can wrap up and conclude you are our major priority as I stand in this place Jesus is calling for you if you do not know him as your Lord and Savior. And before you can walk through the exit door, I want to give you an opportunity to start a new relationship with Christ. And if you are such an individual, I would ask you to show by raising up your hand. We're not going to embarrass you. We're, going, we're not going to parade you. But to pray with you as you start a new life in Christ Jesus. If there is any such a person, please show by raising your hand and we'll pray with you. Thank you, my brother. Hallelujah. Anybody else? Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Bible says there is joy in heaven over one sinner that turns to Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Let us give God a hand clap of praise. Glory to God. And shall we all stand? Thank you, Jesus. My brother, I would like you to uh, come to the fo uh, front. Uh, please take your belongings with you and uh, come and stand here. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Awesome God. Awesome God. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. What's your name, my brother? Tapelo. I'll ask Tapelo to uh, pray uh, with us. Uh, pray this prayer after me as you commit your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And after you've prayed, one of uh, the brothers in the church will take you to a side room. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus. I come before you this morning. I repent of my sins. And I confess that Jesus Christ died for my sins. And I invite you, Lord Jesus, into my heart. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Hallelujah.